Welcome to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour, bringing you honest talk, even when it bites. Now, here are your hosts, the founders of DogsInDanger.com, Alex Alexanian and Brenda Bush on AM 970, The Apple. Welcome, 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 our friends, pet lovers all over the tri-state area. Across the country. Across the country, through the web, and uh, another gorgeous day. And we are back with more powerful servers, so anyone who got... Uh, oh, that's what I was going to mention. Yeah. That's what I was going to mention. Yeah, it we is a, a beautiful upgrade. day in New York at the studios of WNYM. And yeah, a quick update over the last week, we did a complete major overhaul of our server system. Because as some of you listeners may remember, the uh, the rush to listen to the show was so great last week that it brought the Dogs in Danger servers, people listening through the web, obviously. And uh, we were down the whole time. And uh, hopefully we'll not, we've quadrupled the power of the server. So hopefully this will not happen again. We're good. We have a show chock full of nuts. And what is the subject du jour? It is breed-specific re- legislation. Yeah, it's a hot topic. My goodness. We're going to talk a, about whether or not it's, it's a crazy topic. Effective or rational means of controlling dangerous dogs. And people are all over the place. Are oh, certain oh breeds my God. Are you talking about a hot topic on this one? Controversial as hell. Yeah. And, uh, but... Uh, we have a poll going as usual. We have, as we speak, another poll going. Please go to Dogs in Danger. I'm sorry, that's uh, Facebook.com slash Dogs in Danger mm-hmm. and vote whether you believe face, uh, I'm sorry, uh, read specific legislation. Is, you believe in it or you don't believe in it. You think it works or it doesn't work. Please go to our Facebook page, which is at Facebook.com slash Dogs in Danger. Right. And vote, and we'll be announcing those results we're, we're pretty running, quickly. We're running 32-0 right now. 32-0? Against. Already, wow. specific legislation, right? And that we just started quick. it about an hour ago, so that we'll was see quick. where it goes. And uh, one little note before we bring in our first guest, the PSA update. I know it can, it's kind of like the nightmare that never ends, so, right? Uh, the PSA update, the final effect that we talked about last week, is done. We it saw it. Great. It works great. Yeah, it looks great. And now they're putting it together, meaning they're taking the first piece without the effect and the second piece with the effect and putting it all together. And we should have that finito by the end of this upcoming week. After Election Day, you'll see it on networks. Hopefully. Hopefully, hopefully. yes. If we get enough money right. <laughs> you know, to be able to pay for the right. broadcast, then maybe you get to okay. see it. Okay, <laughs> let's move on to our first guest. That is, uh, again, the subject of the day is breed-specific legislation. And I'm going to bring on, uh, on the air, attorney Kenneth Phillips, who's an author, an attorney, as I just mentioned, and the founder of Dog Bite Law. And he's been involved specifically with legislation and uh, legal issues that are arising from it. Uh, litigation and lots of interesting stuff that's happened in this particular issue, and I'm going to put him on right now. Hello. How are you? Hey, I'm doing why? How are you? I'm good, Alex. How are you, Brenda? Good morning. Thanks for joining us. You're you're welcome. I I enjoy it. Nice and early out there in California. It's, yeah, it's morning in California, not so here. <laughs> well, it's it's beautiful out here. It's like Munchkin Land. Well, listen, this is one day that will take you guys on for beauty of the weather anytime, yeah, you know, nice <laughs> because nice well, and, and you know what? I'm a New Yorker, so, you know, I'm a transplanted New Yorker, oh. so believe me, I, I'm homesick already just talking to you guys. <laughs> yeah, we'll keep the pastrami waiting for you. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> we, we don't eat meat, so we won't do that, actually. <laughs> okay. So listen, Kenneth. Uh, this, this, the, the more we dealt into this subject, the more we got confounded and confused. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start out just by laying sort of the big 35,000 feet groundwork. Looking at some of the studies that you sent us or from your website, 456 counties slash townships have ordinances in 37 states currently in place 
that ban some sort of breed from some sort of activity in their township. That's 456 counties in 37 states. 35 counties repealed them after passing them, and 135 counties tried to pass them and couldn't get the votes to pass it. So obviously, this is a really big deal. Yeah, it's, it's controversial. I mean, obviously, everybody's involved in it, and it's at the, at the root political level. So let me first start by asking you, in your opinion, have all of these attempts at cutting down and changing it and, and, and mandering with, the, with, with dogs and where, what breeds can be in and not, have they been effective at all from what you've seen? Well, okay. This is a, it's a big problem answering this question because there's very little science involved in it. What, what I see is I get reports from people in, in areas where there is breed-specific uh, legislation of some sort. Like, for instance, I get reports from cities where they don't allow pit bulls, all right? And, and what people will say to me is that there are fewer dog fights, there are fewer dogs getting killed, that type of thing. There is, it, it's just, it's hard to know the, the exact effect that these laws have because there's no system for studying what kinds of dogs are doing what kind of biting. The only time that the public really hears about it is when something horrific happens, so it's in the news, and then also, you know, when someone is killed. So, we, you know, we can look at those and we can say, well, all right, what kinds of dogs seem to be doing most of the damage? But, you know, that's not scientific. Well, and that's so also it, something that changes over time, right? So, I mean, it, aside it from the yeah, fact that there's not enough scientific study, if you go back to the 70s, you'll find other breeds being reported more often, right? I mean, it, part of it's just a, a function of the popularity of the breed, isn't it? Well, I think, yes. One of the things is popularity. The other, the other is, when, and this has to do with popularity, is the breeding correct? Because, because the suspicion among many, including myself, is that when it comes to pit bulls, the, the breeding has not been selective enough. So that what you're getting... What do you mean by breeding not being selective? I mean, it's a pit bull is a pit bull. I'm talking about backyard breeders. I'm talking about people that are, that are not selecting uh, the best dogs, the most friendly dogs. They're breeding simply because they can sell the dogs. And so it doesn't really matter if the dogs are genetically sound. Well, just, you know, they're popular and they're making money at it. Kenneth, um, I see on your website you say the danger of pit bulls. I'm quoting: the danger of pit bulls and Rottweilers is well established, in that they account for 75 percent of all reported canine-inflicted human deaths in the past two decades. Is that true? Of course, it's true. So, well, I mean, well, first, I mean, you have to categorize that, right? I mean, pit bulls is is actually. Uh, um, uh, many different breeds classified under what would, most people would call pit bull, right? And That's if you right. lump those together with wa- Rottweilers, so if you're categorizing a whole bunch of mm-hmm. dogs together and then counting the other ones separately, mm-hmm. then of course you're going to come up with a higher percentage. Well, 75% is 75%. Any way you look at it and slice it and dice it, you're not going to get away from that number. But we're talking about dog-inflicted or canine-inflicted human deaths. Okay, we are specifically talking about one particular case. Now, I pulled out an interesting statistic here, Kevin. Um, Eliminating cars, I'm sorry, eliminating cars will also eliminate about 20,000 auto fatalities per year. Still, no one is talking about abolishing cars. So in the last 15 years, average of 10 dogs, dog deaths, dog-related deaths happened per year in the United States. That's not true. 
that's not true. And, and the, this analogy is somewhat ridiculous. We, we all have to get around from place to place. We, do, we don't do it by dog sleds. So, so why compare dogs and, and automobiles? We have to have automobiles. But listen, we don't have to have, for example, we don't have to have guns, or we don't have to have machine guns. So there can well, be regulation but, but of some like, things that are, that are more dangerous than other things. I mean, I think, I think the premise is that we accept certain hazards in life, and, and some, something like 64 million people want and have dogs as companions and family members. And so if yeah. we're accepting that risk in society, uh, you know, today's discussion is about does it make, more, does it make sense as an attempt to, for public safety – to control dangerous yeah, dogs I mean, by breed or by some other method. Not, okay, notwithstanding okay, so if that's the, the issue. All right, look, if that's the issue, that, that is the, that's the $64,000 question right there. Right. All the stuff about compare it to lightning striking and stuff like that, that's ridiculous because what we're talking about with dogs, the, the, the essential issue here is this. Is, is there or are there certain types of dogs whose, when they go off, when they, when they do go off on people, is is the damage just too much for us to say, you know what, you know, yeah, you can keep that dog. Is the damage too much? And that's that is the essence of the of the argument for breed uh, breed control. Or yeah, when it comes to basically to pit bulls, we're really talking only about pit bulls. We're not really talking about many other breeds. Well, today we're so talking. That's about the this. issue. But but Kenneth, what I don't understand is that. If we've chosen to have 60% of homes have chosen to have dogs, 60% of homes have chosen to have an, a pet animal, let's say, and the dog-related deaths are 10 to 15 per year in the United States. Why is That's this such true. a big deal? No, no, no. The, the dog-related deaths are over 30 in the United States. Okay. So, so I don't know where you got that. That's an old figure, actually, you're looking at. It's like an yeah. early 90s, 80s, 90s figure. I got that uh, from my assistant here. <laughs> Well, that's okay. I mean, because look, your point is a good one because you're saying you're saying, look, there are, there's 70 million, maybe 80 million dogs in the U.S., and these dogs are only killing. Of all these dogs, there are only 30 people getting killed. So why should we do anything about it? Well, number one, you're you're now just talking about killings, but what about all the other damage? Dogs dogs cost two billion. That's b b as in bark two billion dollars worth of damage in this country per year. Mm-hmm. That's pretty extensive. Then you yeah. look at who the victims are. The victims are little kids and old people, mm-hmm. you know, the most defenseless. So let's not just focus on, on the, the fact that, that, you know, pit bulls are killed. You know, when someone's killed, it's a pit bull, because that's kind of overly dramatic. But let's talk about the other things, which is, you know, what kinds of dogs are, are, are hurting people. No, I, I want to tell you, because I know you only have so much time for me to, you know... I, I think you're out of time, Kenneth. We're at about I, 30 I seconds. We have about 30 seconds. I think you can hear the computer kicking I, in with the brake music. Want to tell you, I want to tell you that I think it's bad owners and not bad dogs, and that, and that the bottom line for me is that breed laws don't, are not going to work. They're not going to You've got to focus on the, on the owners and not the dogs. Thank you, Kenneth. Thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Thanks again. Glad you got that. More of the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour is on the way on AM 970, The Apple. When we first started thinking about dogs in danger, we had one overriding thought. Millions of innocent dogs were being killed in shelters each year in this country. 
And we realized there was no way for the public to know just which dogs were going to die and when. That's when the light bulb went on. So we created dogsindanger.com, where every dog gets a last chance at life. The good public embraced the idea, and 40,000 dogs are alive today, bringing joy to families and children everywhere. In today's economy, it's hard for anyone to part with their money. But Dogs in Danger needs your help to keep saving lives. If you believe, like we do, that needless killing is morally wrong, then do something about it. Please go to dogsindanger.com and make a tax-deductible donation. Just $18 per month will help us continue our life-saving mission. Donate to dogsindanger.com and do something good for your soul. Barkable Radio, the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on AM 970, The Apple. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Well, we're back on the air. Man, talk about a topic that is just going to fly through this hour. Yeah, it is. I got to tell you, listen, folks, if you want to call in, we're going to try to take a, a phone call or two. I don't know if we're going to have the time. 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622 for all your phone calls. How are we doing on the poll? Thirty-two. We're at thirty-three-zero right now. Thirty-three-zero. Against wow. any kind of breed-specific legislation. Wow. So, Facebook.com slash dogs in danger. Yeah. Uh, okay, and we're going to bring on our second guest. Our next guest is uh, Dr. Karen Overall. Uh, I'm going to read through some of these credentials. Uh, VMD, PhD, uh, frequently consults with lawmakers regarding legislation affecting dogs, and uh, expert uh, on uh, cases involving aggression and neglect of dogs, author of several books, and over 100 scholarly publications. Wow, she's got a long, long, long list. If you'd like to see uh, some of her background, you can get it on our website. And uh, we're going to bring her on. Well, Dr. Overall? We, we, we won't even yeah. have any time. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Overall. How are you? Okay, how are you? Wonderful, wonderful. Thanks Thank for you. taking time on this weekend to answer questions sure, for us. Sure, no worries. So you you may have heard, did you hear the uh, the previous conversation with uh, Kenneth Phillips, the attorney? Uh, I did. I heard not all of it, but I heard part of it. Oh, good. So the, 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 the million-dollar question today is... Uh, well, you know what? Be, as oh. you know, we just discussed with Attorney Phillips... Uh, what's going on on the ground over there, and does it right. work, does it not work? I'd like to take another, a different direction with you, if you don't mind. I'd like to sure. start by talking about where the science is kind of current, currently leading us, and specifically, I'd like to talk about a, a simple question. Are certain breeds inherently more violent? Inherently, the DNA. Yeah, yeah. The, the answer to that question is no. And uh, it's interesting that you decided to focus on the science because really that's where everybody should be focusing. Mm -hmm. And every study that's being done, and these studies are largely coming from Europe because they had breed-specific legislation before the U.S. did, and they've largely gotten rid of breed-specific legislation. In fact, Holland looked at the uh, number of, of dangerous and fatal dog bites they had before BSL, and after BSL and the number of dangerous dogs went up hmm. because people thought they were sexy. So they started to accumulate them. Just what you wanted to, mm-hmm. to do, have a law that that encouraged uh, pathological humans getting pathological and abused dogs. <laughs> um, and that's exactly what happened. So people, there are a huge number now of European studies, including a couple that are in press. And uh, they've looked at both um, the behavior of very young dogs. And there are no differences between, for example, golden retrievers and mastiff breeds as puppies. They may play differently, but in terms of injury and aggression, they don't, um, they're no different. 
And they've also looked at different groups' um, reactivities in certain situations. And in most normal situations, there appear to be no differences. Um, there will be genetic differences that don't go with breed, but that go with suites of behaviors. Um, and certainly, you could select for those genetic differences. People have begun to look at mapping genes and looking for different genotypes that go with different reactivities. Mm -hmm. Nothing has been simple um, and nothing has broken as cleanly as everyone had hoped, which um, anybody who's watched behavior for any amount of time mm -hmm. would have guessed because it's just complex. So but, let, me, let me rephrase uh, what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, you're basically saying there is no inherent behavioral violence quotient or difference breed by breed, genetically by breed, breed by, but within the breed itself, you may have this kind of a variance within the breed. Sure. So you, you can have one have, kind of... You can have, we know, for example, that you can have pathological Labrador retrievers. Mm -hmm. And um, we know that when you get certain types of aggression, pathological aggression, these, these are troubled, distressed dogs. These are dogs that would be my patients. Right. Um, they can, you know, that tends to run in family lines. Right. Um, even the genetics of that has not been sufficiently simple that it mapped easily. But you can say that it runs in family lines. Right. So, so one you the, could select for a pathology. Of course, of course. So one of the larger studies that I saw, because it seems like in the U.S. that there's not a lot of large sample size studies, the one that no. in, in, the, in Germany where they had a breed ban from 1992 to 1996 that involved 245 German cities, which right. is a significant number. Crossbreeds caused the most bites, 2,376 bites were crossbreeds. And any scientist would tell you why that happened. They're the most numerous dogs. Quite simply, there is no justification for breed bans at all if you just ask for what proportion of the bites are any breed responsible. Mm -hmm. And the Germans and the Dutch actually had the data to ask those questions because they registered their dogs. Mm -hmm. You know, um, God bless the Scandinavians and many of the European countries that, that actually have good registration systems. So they were actually able, after five years or so, they, the Germans took a little longer to answer the question, you know, given the number of individuals we have of any breed, mm -hmm. Is any breed more represented in the dog bite statistics than other breeds? And what they found out is that, gee, popular breeds are more represented in well, the dog that's bite obvious. statistics yeah. because they're popular. So it's an index issue. It's not yeah, a cross-breed is. issue. Well, and, and, no. and, and, uh, and, and one of the things I came across, which I thought was a good example, which is the, the junkyard German Shepherd, which looks like it wants to rip your throat out, and the German Shepherd guide dog are the same breed. They are the same breed, although they may have completely different genetics involved. They may have identical genetics involved. We're not investing right. in the types of studies needed to know the answers to those questions, and that's exactly the focus of my research, and we need to be investing in those. Because I will tell you, the amount of environmental effect that you can have, and I don't care whether it's the guide dog, the junkyard dog, or the dog that's in Afghanistan detecting things that explode, 
the our studies on dogs that detect things has shown that the amount of environmental influence you can have the best genes in the world and then you get a bad handler or a bad set of trainers right. that dog isn't going to be all it can be and you get somebody who's abusive you know, we see the dogs that are truly resistant to abusive training. Mm-hmm. And when you take them out of an abusive situation, you can see them blossom. Even the dogs who fight, and all you have to do is look at the recovery rates of so many of these dogs. Even the dogs who fight, often they're fighting for their lives. And I think that, you know, if any of us were put in that situation, I think we would admire somebody who did that. And yet we penalize these dogs instead of penalizing the humans. Yeah, so and remember the movie so, Gladiator? So what, yeah, what you're saying is that, is that really um, the uh, attempts at breed bans and breed-specific legislation are really more based in fear and an attempt to cr- a misguided attempt to control uh, dangerous you know, animals than it would exactly. be based in science. Exactly. And, you know, the, the thing, don't forget, we can euthanize dogs. Um, mm-hmm. We're not allowed to euthanize humans. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to jump to the, well, we'll just get rid of the dogs, except that dogs are different now. You know, dogs are truly parts of our family. We probably should never have been euthanizing them just because we could. But now that's politically sort of out of favor. And when you look at some of the wonderful studies, like one of the studies that's in press in in the veterinary journal, a British journal about um, dog bites in the Netherlands, they went back and they looked at the specific characteristics of the bites. And they found out that, by and large, people are doing things. They can, And, in fact, not only are they doing things, even the kids in many cases who were getting bitten by these dogs recognized that the dog might not be wanting them to do what they were doing to the dog. So they were able to actually assign responsibility and ask whether or not the dog was behaving appropriately. So well, interesting, interestingly enough, so um, Attorney Phillips you know, made a very strong uh, uh, statement that the, the people that are getting bitten are the weak and, and the, the children and, and the el- yeah. elderly. And, and obviously that, that resonated quite a bit. At the same time, we're looking at a huge number of states, 37 states, 456 uh, townships and counties, mostly counties, they have uh, ordinances. And you're telling us now that the science does not uh, support in any way this breed-specific legislation that's been going on. Meanwhile, no, these not these at all. children are getting bitten. What is the um, solution? Interesting. The solution is responsible parenthood, but that's a solution for a lot of things. Exactly. And it doesn't seem to be a real popular hobby. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing is that the data are changing and people are becoming more aware of this. Um, yes, elderly people are good victims of lots of things, of buses, of cars, of treacherous ice, of animals. And don't forget, many of the an- elderly that are injured may be injured by uh, misbehaved or inappropriately behaved, not not a dangerous animal. Mm-hmm. Kids are bitten disproportionately, but not by dangerous dogs. They're bitten by their family pets. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that the attorney did not make clear. In other words, when you're talking about dogs that might be pathological or might be problematic or might have been taught to fight, that sort of weird group of dogs, those those dogs are not the ones doing most of this damage. These are your family pets. Well, over right. 75% of all bites to kids are the dog that, you know, they live with every day. And mm. um, as a result, there's now a huge effort in Europe that's sort of slowly making its way to the U.S., 
to really have kids understand and respect dogs. And as a result, they've put together um, a nonprofit that's produced a fabulous video called The Blue Dog Video. And it's an interactive video that's been shown to decrease the rate of dog bites in kids. It's been tested at the University of Lincoln in the U.K. And kids as young as three years of age can interact with this video, and they can look at it and say, you know what, that dog, yep, If I go to take that bone from that dog, I'm going to be bitten. And, um, you know, it's they've made a real effort to say, you know what, the dog also has some rights. And that's what's missing from this discussion. And it's interesting because because um, many years ago, you know, when I was growing up, if if someone got bit without all the focus on legislation, you know, the parents were saying, well, what did you do to the dog to make the dog bite you? You It's kind of like if I pull the trigger, I'm going to get shot. Right. And we sort of seem to have lost something over the past few years about that that degree of complicity, you know, that perhaps this is an interaction and we're all involved. And, you know, the, it, it's, it's interesting because that's been totally lost in this discussion also, that um, it, you can be injured not by a nasty dog, but just by an energetic dog. I, I only take Australian Shepherd Rescues because right, they're right up there with pit bulls and never finding forever homes. And I have one dog who quite literally once a week seriously injures me because <laughs> he is so exuberant and he was locked in a crate for the first 11 months of his life. I mean, literally locked in a box. And he's never learned, you know, he's slowly getting it that, hey, I'm 70 well, pounds. I I'm so, sorry we're running out of time and going to go to break here, but thank you for your time. Thank we you, appreciate Dr. Oh, you're welcome. You were one of Dogs in Danger Radio Hour is on the way on AM 970, The Apple. The News, AM 970, The Apple. 65 degrees under clear skies in New York City. Mayor Michael Bloomberg has joined other New York City leaders by speaking out on a string of attacks against gay men last weekend in the Bronx. Eight suspects are now in custody, but police are still searching for a ninth suspect. Bloomberg told the Washington Post the arrests should send a message that those who commit hate crimes will spend a lengthy sentence behind bars. Police say the nine members of the gang Latin King Goonies lashed out after hearing a rumor that one of the gang's new recruits was gay. Two teens and a 30-year-old man were tortured and sodomized in three separate attacks during a 24-hour period. The attacks started early in the morning, October 3rd, and lasted until the following morning. Thousands gathered in Strawberry Fields in Central Park yesterday to celebrate what would have been John Lennon's 70th birthday. It's just like more of a celebration of, you know, who he was, like what he did with his life. And I mean, we all know he wasn't perfect, but that's what made him like so wonderful. I think his message of peace and love is uh, needed now more than ever. The former Beatle was gunned down outside his Manhattan apartment building in 1980. Getting across the Hudson River, Lincoln Tunnel is going to cost you about 45 minutes heading into town over at the George Washington Bridge. You're in good shape. Holland Tunnel, I'm seeing about a 25-minute backup heading in. Outbound both tubes both appear to be in very good shape. 59th Street Bridge, some company for you heading into town on the upper deck. Lower deck, a better option. Outbound side appears to be in fairly good shape for you. And as you travel over on the uh, Brooklyn Bridge, kind of slow heading into Manhattan, back to Brooklyn. Minor delays at this time. Overall, you're in good shape. Sunday parking rules will be in effect citywide for today. They are suspended tomorrow for Columbus Day. In sports, no score between the Giants and the Houston Texans. The Jets will play Monday night against the Vikings. Your weather forecast for today, sunny skies, a high of 70. Tonight, clear, dipping to 56. Tomorrow, a mix of sun and clouds, a high reaching 74 degrees. 
AM 970, The Apple is New York City's fastest-growing talk radio station. Check out Curtis Sliwa Monday morning on your drive to work and find out why. I am Bill Powers on the Talk of New York on AM 970, The Apple. Are you tired of Weisenheimer drivers and dirty cars? Well, next time, call Interboro. Interboro is a two-way radio car that has served New York's best companies, Wall Street firms, and top-shelf travelers 24-7 for over 40 years. They're prompt, professional, reliable, and their service is top shelf. Interboro gets you there safely and on time. They accept all major credit cards, so their 300-car fleet is at your immediate service by calling 718-845-1111. That's 718-845-1111. So for those very special occasions or critical travel times, ask their operators about Interboro's Platinum Service. It's a five-star pampering for you or your clients. With Platinum Service, your car is guaranteed to be there on time under any conditions. Rain, snow, sleet, shine, hail, or dark of night. Interboro provides the prompt, professional, reliable service that takes the worry out of getting around town. Call 718-845-1111. That's 718-845-1111. And tell them you heard about them on AM 970 The Apple. Are you a woman with noticeable brown spots, age spots, liver spots, or uneven tones on your skin? If you answered yes, you're entitled to a free 30-day supply of Dr. Perry's Night Skin. Dr. Arthur Perry is a Harvard-trained plastic surgeon, and his night skin cream was made with ingredients that fade the look of ugly brown spots on your face, neck, and hands. Your area has been selected to try a free 30-day supply of night skin. This amazing free giveaway is only available while supplies last, so don't wait. Diminish the appearance of brown spots on your face, neck, and hands. To find out how you can try a free 30-day supply of night skin for just shipping and handling, call 1-800-764-7498. That's 800-764-7498. This free offer won't last long, so call now. Call 1-800-764-7498. That's 800-764-7498. Throw your friend a bone. It's more the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on AM 970. The Apple. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Well, we're back from the studios of WNYM in New York City, and uh, let me tell you that this this subject is just flying by, yeah. and it's fascinating the way we're sort of peeling the onion on it as best we can in the yeah. in, and, in and the thank half you, hour. Doctor Overall, for putting some science behind all the. Absolutely. We're going to try to take a phone call or two. Um, We're moving a little too fast to be able to take your phone calls, but it's at 866-970-9622. Again, 866-970-9622 for the Dogs in Danger Radio Art, if you want to talk to us. Before we bring in our next guest, I just, because we haven't done this yet, should probably um, list at least some of the major organizations that are against breed-specific legislation, and that would be the AVMA, the CDC, National Canine Research Council, ASPCA, best friends, and that leads us to our next guest. Katie Barnett. Tell us about Katie. Um, Katie is a law clerk with Best Friends Animal Society, and uh, she has a a recent published paper, um, Breed Discriminatory Legislation, How DNA Will Remedy the Unfairness. And she was also instrumental in the recent Topeka repeal of their breed-specific legislation. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Let's bring Katie on right now. Hello, Katie. Good morning. Good Good morning. morning. How are you? Great. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for uh, for joining us on the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. Have you been listening to the conversation or the dialogue that's been going on? A little bit. I haven't ca- caught the last twenty minutes, though. 
Okay, great. Well, it's it's been very it's been fascinating because we spoke with uh, Kenneth Phillips, who's been an attorney involved in many many of these cases, and he sort of gave us a perspective, a resident perspective from a legal perspective. from a legal yeah. uh, legal perspective, and a sort of boots on the ground. You know, people getting bit are these then children and old people and this and that. And then we talked to uh, Dr. Overall, who gave us a perspective scientifically that uh, that there's absolutely no violent quotient or or more violent breeds, less violent breeds that. The violent do- there is a violent dog, more violent dog, less violent dog, but there's no more violent breed. So what I want to ask you, one of the things that I, I, I know has been a hot, hot topic has been able to distinguish a breed, a be- to be able to say just this is a pit bull. It's, this seems to be a, a great difficulty in being able to establish. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe that we can cut down on bites, on dog bites, if we could somehow using magic DNA accurately able to distinguish between the different breeds? No, no, because, you know, breed does not determine um, the propensity of a dog to bite. Um, If there is some magic way to determine um, a dangerousness gene or a propensity to bite gene or some kind of behavioral gene, that might be worth considering or at least researching a little bit more, but breed doesn't have anything to do with um, the propensity to bite. So no, that if, if, even if DNA can identify breeds, that's not going to help keep us safe any safer. Okay, so that, that's pretty clear. It, it, it seems to yeah. resonate everywhere that breed is just not going to do it. So we, but Maybe if that's science. the case, why do we keep trying to pass breed-specific legislation? Do you have any input on that? I'm not really sure why. <laughs> we have all the scientific data now um, that we didn't have 30 years ago that says that no breed is more dangerous than the other. Um, I think it's really trendy. I think that um, cities uh, see other cities doing it, and this, this really quick fix reaction to a dog bite or something seems to maybe satisfy the general public, and um, it makes people happy, just like if um, red sports cars were, you know, causing quite a few deaths. If we just outlawed red sports cars, it it would be a quick fix, Mm -hmm. Um, kind of a Band-Aid over the real problem, which Mm -hmm. is probably, you know, the people driving those kind of cars or the recklessness of um, the vehicle um, the way it was made or something like that, but particularly the person driving it, um, that it's just not going to, breed specific legislation, it's, it's been proven now in several different cities and then repealed um, because it's just ineffective. Right, so the people, I mean, eventually people would just drive yellow cars under your scenario, right? I mean, the point right, is the target, exactly. the target is, breed, is, is pit bulls today, but what is it going to be, you know, five years from now? If all the pit bulls right. are, brand, uh, are banned, it'll just bring on another breed. It'll be they a will, new. Yeah, pick so, a new so let me do this. Let me switch from, it's pretty clear that breed specific just doesn't do it. It doesn't cut it. So let, let me switch to another, another level or another perspective on the whole issue, okay? The attorney, Kenneth, again, says, Uh, in one of his writings, that it is now abundantly clear that the bigger, more powerful breeds have no purpose or place in crowded urban settings. So what what I'm saying is let's let's forget about the breeds. Let's look at how powerful and how big the dog is. Do you believe that this has, this is a more rational criteria for trying to figure out where the bites are going to come from? No, no. Um, You know, I think there's been even a couple fatal attacks by um, some really small breeds uh, several years ago, um, and, and fatal attacks by by a you know a pack of small dogs. Um, those that 
you have to look at each dog as an individual, regardless of the breed. And I don't think that the the more powerful breeds um, outlawing, regulating, you know, any kind of prohibition on a breed isn't going to do anything to keep people safer because it's the behavior of the dog. Um, I There are several dogs, um, Mastiffs, Great Pyrenees, um, who actually do good in society. Um, They're actually working dogs. Um, They have jobs. They help people. They help, you know, people who have disabilities. Um, We cannot just keep putting a blanket restriction on breed. We have to just target a dog's behavior. So what if you were to say, instead of breeds, what if you were to say in Manhattan, I'm just being ridiculous legislator here, uh, the mad legislator, um, what if you were to say that in Manhattan you can't have, um, you know, you can't have very strong breed uh, dogs, not breeds, sorry, I apologize. Nothing to do with breed. You can't have dogs that are bigger than 75 pounds, let's just say. Do you think well, that would have that would be any impactful at all? Well, she just made the point that even little dogs can right, cause but, but what are the numbers? I mean, like. So, so, um, I mean, that's... Well, actually, that, that proposal you have is not um, completely, um, you know, crazy. There is a city in Iowa who ha- that, that has banned any breed over 100 pounds. Um, hmm. What so city is that? That includes your, you know, 100-pound Mastiff, but it also can include your, you know, slightly bigger and overweight Labrador Retriever. Um, and then what you get yourself into is when you, you know, prohibit those, those breeds or those sizes now, um, what else are you prohibiting? You're prohibiting people, um, you know, their right to have a service animal, um, which the, you, the Department of Justice just came down with a ruling that says that um, municipalities cannot do that. Um, so there are all kinds of crazy things that you get into, and that's because dogs have such a... They're so intertwined with our lives these days. They really help us. What about search and rescue dogs? What about police dogs who are over 100 pounds? Um, There's so many what-ifs when you start regulating by appearance and not Mm -hmm. by behavior. Right, and I'm so glad to hear you say that because that generated a lot of hot discussion in our household this week. Well, what what happened in Iowa? I thought that was kind of interesting. Now, do you know the name of the town that had this regulation or a city? Um, You know what? I do not, um, but it's... I think if you Googled something like ridiculous dog restrictions or rules, uh, that, that city in Iowa will pop up. Huh. That's, that's fascinating that somebody's trying it, and I guess it's not working according to what you're saying, correct? That's correct. I mean, I, I haven't seen any hard numbers from that city in Iowa, but, you know, there are, there are numbers from cities like you referenced Topeka, Kansas. There are numbers from there that say the breed-specific legislation isn't working. Well, you know, there's two ways to look at this whole issue of powerful dogs versus not powerful, let's just say. One of them is obviously a physical difference between the two. It's just a bigger bite. It's a bigger mouth, more teeth, and a bigger bite, A. And B, and this is the question I want to ask you. I mean, everybody knows a bigger dog is going to leave more damage than a small bite. But the question I really want to ask you is, is there any research that you know of or anybody that's tested that uh, the numbers of bites uh, from poundage, meaning the weight of a dog, for example, the size of a dog, like little dog bites were 100 and big dog bites were 500. Is there any kind of research like that? 
Well, no, there's not that I'm aware of. And the number one reason for that is that there's no national recording database or reporting company or group that does that. All of these dog bite accounts and fatal attacks, they're all taken from different sources, whether it be media or hospitals or, um, you know, just newspaper headlines. And then there's no way to accurately determine what breed it is. But like you said, pound for pound, I'm not really sure um, if there's any kind of data like that out there. Well, we'll have to um, do, insane. yeah, we'll have that's to do, really... we'll have to do another show on weight specific but, legislation. But you know what, you know what, Brenda, Alex is that is absolutely that. insane. They're passing 456 uh, laws in counties. Thirty-five of them were repealed. One hundred and thirty-five tried and couldn't pass it. Specific, and nobody's done the specific. research. I mean, meaning what I'm yeah. saying is, there's not even a national database that tracks that they passed the laws without the data. It wouldn't be the first time. What fear, are they doing? Fear cause people. They're looking for a quick fix. Well, I mean, yeah. I don't even understand the logic behind all of this mess and all these, you know, confluences of interest well, and. and they don't even have the national database, which is like step A before right. you do legislation, well, which is step Z. And as, and as Katie mentioned, identifying the breeds is particularly problematic because most of these are self-reported. It's not based on any DNA. It's not based on science. And so, you know, there's this little game out there called Find the Pitbull, you know, uh, which, which if you Google for it, you'll find it. And, um, and you would be amazed at how difficult it is. We had this conversation during the week. Alex said, how difficult is it really to identify a Pitbull? Well, let me tell you something. Uh, first of all, there are there are lots of different breeds that are classified and lumped together as pit bull. But if you go to that game, I challenge anybody. You know, it, it's a lot more difficult than you think. And and most of these dogs are identified based on appearance. Unbelievable, Katie. Tell us a little bit about what happened in Topeka, Kansas. Tell us about the law that they passed. Why you got involved with it, and what's the outcome? Well, uh, 29 years ago, Topeka jumped on the bandwagon, I think, with um, Denver, Colorado, and several other cities, I think Overland Park, Kansas, just cities, larger cities in the Midwest, who were banning breeds. And Topeka jumped on the bandwagon, they banned the breed, and then a few years ago, they realized that this prohibition was not working and might be challenged as unconstitutional, so they took a step back and said, well... Let's lighten it up a little bit. Let's lighten this law up and just regulate them. So they had um, regulations like uh, fencing requirements, making sure the, the uh, quote, pit bull, in quote, was on a muzzle, in a muzzle, and on a, you know, short lead when it was walked. And they had all kinds of regulations. And Only for pit bulls they, or, or several other breeds as well? Oh, you know, in any dog that looked like a pit bull, uh, uh, a group I was with adopted out a purebred, papered, and registered American bulldog to a family in Topeka, Kansas, and that was not under the breed ban or the breed regulations that they had at the time. It was not an identified breed in the law. Mm-hmm. And uh, we received calls probably for the first few weeks that they had the dog saying they were out walking the dog, and the police pulled them over. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. So said, misidentification. You know, you yeah, you need a muzzle for that pit bull. And he said it's an American bulldog. And it's a classic issue that comes up all the time when you have these regulations. So they lightened up um, on the law and they made it more muzzling and short leash and stuff like that. Then what happened? Right. Well, then they realized, then they started going over budget. They had a ton of veterinary bills for these pit bulls that they were seizing out of people's yards. They had... Um, you know, they had to pay for these dogs to stay at their shelter. 
And then the dogs who were the pit bulls that, that were seized under this law were staying at the shelter and they were taking up space. So we all know how crowded our city shelters are. They're taking up space and these perfectly good adoptable dogs of any breed were being euthanized. So Topeka had a really high euthanasia number um, of, of dogs who were being killed simply because they were holding these dogs for the required amount of time under the law right. um, for due process and all of that stuff. And they were getting and, picked up because the owners were not following the letter of the law, right? Right. They were in the, These dogs were in their backyard, and the backyard didn't have a top on it, which means that, that one of the regulations was that if your dog was out in an open yard, the yard had to basically have a roof over it. Right. So they would pick up the dog. The neighbors would complain. And somebody would come. The police would come and take the dog and then end up killing the dog after whatever and, the and holding period. Before we run out of time here, I just want to make a couple of quick points, right? I mean, these were dogs that had not done anything wrong. They were picked up solely because of the because breed of the law, of dog, right. right. Okay, Katie, yes. you're back on. So what happened next? <laughs> Um, and then, uh, actually, the city attorney, I invited the city attorney to a talk that Leedy Van Cavage of Best Friends, mm-hmm. uh, who is my attorney supervisor at Best Friends, gave at the University of Kansas School of Law. And they came and they listened to the new data and they realized that, you know, we might take a second look at this. We're going over budget. We're killing a ton of dogs. There's public outcry that this is just not working. Um, nobody feels any safer. There's no data to back up that the people of Topeka are any safer. And so they, they re-examined their law, um, and they just invited me to be on the team. Katie, ho- Katie, hold on. We're going to come back to you to we'll finish this you. interview. We'll have you right back. Okay, hold on one second. We're going to go to break okay. for a second. More of the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour is on the way on AM 970, The Apple. Dogs in Danger is an award-winning charity that has turned the animal world on its head. It's the last chance for dogs waiting on death row in shelters across the country. They tell the public what dog is where and how many days they have before being killed. Then, caring people like you go and save the poor dog and bam, you have a new best friend and a happy family. Dogs in Danger has done this over 40,000 times in just two and a half years. Wow. Now, you can help Dogs in Danger spread the word and save even more lives. Your donation is 100% tax deductible. So what are you waiting for? Go to dogsindanger.com and click the donate button. Just $18 a month will make them reach farther and help end the killing of our furry friends www.dogsindanger.com Then click donate and do something good for your soul. The Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. Honest talk, even when it bites. On AM 970, The Apple. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. We're back. We're back with Katie Barnett. Katie, we've got uh, we've got about two minutes left on the interview sequence. So why don't you pick up exactly where you were that you guys uh, decided to go for a repeal of the law, right? Correct. Um, we put a committee together of several animal welfare citizens um, and uh, animal control, the city attorney, the police department, uh, city councilwoman. And we got together and we looked at what were the most effective laws, where were, um, like Illinois is a great state to own a dog and to be safe. Um, and so we looked at Illinois' laws and we also looked at Lawrence, Kansas. Um, and Lawrence, Kansas has one of the most effective dangerous dog laws. 
And we repealed, not only did the city of Topeka repeal the breed-specific legislation because it wasn't working, um, but they went ahead and enacted a more effective dangerous dog law um, with restrictions on tethering and several other things. Uh, so Topeka went for kind of an overhaul of their animal ordinance altogether, but the breed-specific legislation was approved, the repeal was approved unanimously by all of city council and the mayor. And are you happy with what they did? Oh, of course I'm happy. You're happy with what came out of the new legislation, the new regulations that they have? Are you happy with that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, We have two uh, pit bull mix therapy dogs, um, and they can do more work in the community now in Topeka now that they don't have to be muzzled in public and all of that stuff. Um, So, yeah, I mean, not only am I happy on a professional level because this is going to lead the way um, with keeping people safer, but um, it also kind of impacts me personally because now my dogs can go do positive things in the community. Wow, that's great. We are going to try to find the new legislation. If you can send it to us, it would be great because we'd like to put it up on the website. Absolutely. That would be great. That's good work, Katie. Yeah, kudos to you, Katie. And uh, any chance you're moving to Denver? Because they could use your help. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've been helping Karen Breslin on that case. Great, um, great. You know, we we have some good things coming out of Denver right now. So We'll have you back to talk about that on another show. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much, Katie. We're going to have to switch to our Dogs in Danger sequence because we have two more dogs that are fighting for their lives right now. Thank you, Katie. Thanks very much. Thank you. Uh, And I apologize. I'm going to run through this quickly. We do uh, two featured dogs every week. It just so happens that the two uh, that were chosen um, originally were adopted, so that's great news. Thank you, Susan Truman, for um, highlighting Stella, a senior pit in Baldwin Park, California. She was saved. And also Elizabeth and Lillian Sullivan for promoting Libby at Miami-Dade. She was saved. So uh, in fairness, we picked two other dogs um, for today's uh, highlight. Um, The first, again, the poor little puppy doesn't have a name. Uh, There is a number on our website, um, A2919673. And this dog is at Maricopa County Animal Care and Control in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, uh, They have her listed as a pit bull terrier mix, spade female, uh, black and white. Those eyes tell it all. So you have to go. She's only about five months old. She's just a puppy. It's terrible. And, uh, the, the name is unbelievable. No yeah. It's A two nine one nine six seven three. That's the ID number. That's, that's the, the name the they put in. Oh, that's the that's their. Come on, guys, go dynamic. save this dog, please. Yeah, and uh, and the second dog is Apollo, who's at Dog and Cat Shelter in Sheridan, Wyoming. And uh, let's see, what do we have? Uh, uh, a black lab mix. Apollo is a four-year-old dog. He was taken from a home in February that was not feeding him properly. He's extremely undernourished and very thin. He's a gentle dog, and everyone just loves him, but no one seems to have taken him home so far. You know, what strikes me about Apollo is the picture. Yeah. I mean, Apollo looks like he's looking up at God. I mean, look at well, those eyes, and look at, yeah. look at the look that he has on his face. Yeah, you really have to. to you, do, know? You, you have to. Uh, I say it every week. A picture's worth a thousand words. You, yeah, you please. Have to, you have Go to look at Apollo. What state is Apollo in? Apollo is Wyoming, Sheridan, Wyoming. Search Wyoming and you'll find Apollo, and he can be transported. Save which Apollo. Which brings us to the topic for next week's show, which is black dogs in shelters. Yeah, we're going to talk more about that right after station break, Brenda, because the we're computer is telling me that we're going to be cutting out to well, go to another break. We'll be right there back. There you go. See you right on time.
More of the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour is on the way on AM 970, The Apple. I'm Brenda Bush, co-founder of Dogs in Danger. For those of us who live with these special creatures, we understand that they're so much more than just dogs. They're faithful companions to the end. They remind us every day that life is precious and brief, full of fleeting joys and missed opportunities. Each year in this country, millions of homeless dogs are killed in shelters. There is a better way, and Dogs in Danger is working to get us there. It's the last chance for these dogs. Dogs in Danger makes it personal, with names and faces of dogs on death row, and brings us all face-to-face with a painful reality. More than 40,000 dogs have been saved with the assistance of Dogs in Danger, but we still have a long way to go. So please, open your heart and wallet to one of the thousands of dogs waiting for a second chance at life. Visit dogsindanger.com and click Donate to help us stop the needless killing of our best friends. Do it now, before they run out of time. No fleas on us. The Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on AM 970, The Apple. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. Brenda, I have to tell you, that hour just flew by. We had three yeah. guests in one hour. I wish we had two what hours. What a subject. Yeah, and what, what we're hearing over and over again is that breed is not an accurate predictor. Of oh, that seems to be clear. To I've got to tell you. It seems to be clear, and yet all across the country, there are still politicians, legislators and, who, are, who are pushing for this um, legislation. You know, I don't understand it. You know, that when stuff like this happens, it just confounds me about the American mm-hmm. system of government. The research isn't there. They don't have a national database. Maybe it's not that important. Maybe it is that important. If it's not that important, why are you passing 450 you know, laws all over the country? If it is that important, why didn't you do the groundwork or the, 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 you know, the well, infrastructure that will give right. you some logic and, some, some, and, and not nonsense laws? Well, it's clearly important. And then you put the citizenry in between the, you know, the, the, the biceps right. and basically you say, okay, I passed a, a law. I have no idea what I just did. All, why don't you come and fix it for me? And all those poor people who have had their what dogs did, confiscated from them uh, for, for, no, for no reason other than breed, not well, because it, the dogs did it. It really comes wrong. down to that. It basically, you pass a, a piece of legislation not having any clue what you just did and then say to people, did you get damaged? Well, then why don't you come and sue us or something and then we'll fix the law down the line. And what Katie, Katie made a really good govern. point. Katie made a really good point, which is the shelters in those municipalities are filling up with dogs that are confiscated under the, the the breed specific legislation. And what about all the other dogs in the community and and resources that are being tied up uh, when when perfectly good loving family dogs are taken out of their homes? I also wanted to mention that um, the 2001 uh, AVMA task force. Um, which is also on our website um, so that you can check out the community approach to dog bite prevention. That's really where it's at today, folks, and um, it's not about uh, banning dogs based on their breed. Well, we're, we're drawing right to the close of the show right now, so I'm going to mention a couple of things. First thing is next week's show. We always talk about next week's show, which is black dogs. Believe it or not, there's actually something called black dog syndrome. And if you want to know what this is all about, if you're interested in civil rights, oh, I'm sorry, black dog, <laughs> dog civil rights, you have to listen to next yeah. week's show. It's Black really Dogs show. is a fascinating, yeah. fascinating topic, and it has a lot of overlays into the human subculture, really. I mean, this is one of those subjects that really reaches out much more than our pet world, and it reaches into our human society. And, of course, in three weeks, the Election Day special that's coming on. We have some key politicians, mm-hmm. some key leaders of the New York State Assembly that are going to be joining us talking about what is their plans? And these are leaders of these movements uh, talking about what are their plans about 
animal legislation, dog legislation in New York State. Yeah. Some very avant-garde, forward-thinking people. We want to get some dog-friendly politicians voted in this November. Oh, it's it's going to happen. I think that people's animal hearts. Friendly. Let's say yeah. animal friendly. Yeah, people's hearts yeah. are changing. Their minds are changing along with their hearts. And you know what? I'm proud to be here uh, on the air, hoping that pushing that movement forward. Hopefully, maybe a, at an inch at a time, maybe even less. But it doesn't matter. What counts is is where the heart is and uh, where the effort goes. So, with those words, we're going to shut down us. our microphones for another week. And looking forward to joining you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.